There's so much potential and we are really literally just at the beginning. Welcome to Cyberspace. Today we have the pleasure of hearing from Laura Velsenbach, cyber curator and our cyber ambassador lead. If you want to know all about the communities, people, faces to avatars, avatars to faces, and if you want to feel the virtual bonding feeling we've been going on about at Cyber, look no further. Laura tells us what the Ambassador Programme is and how you can get involved. Hello, my name is Laura and I'm your Cyber online tour guide and engagement person. The central question that shaped these programmes for Cyber was how movement and orientation can look like in the virtual sphere. How can virtual bonding look like at Cyber Festival? In a physical, real-life festival venue, navigating is much more intuitive, right? You just come to the festival. You need to know where and when it takes place. And once you're there, there are so many different things that makes it easy for you to experience the festival as an individual. You can simply follow the masses. You have a map. You, you can follow the path that the map lays out for you. You can also ask people, uh, when exactly does it start today? What is this artwork about? Or, hey, where's the bathroom again? Although the question for the bathroom may be obsolete in an online festival, but the, the fact that you can ask people and get answers from real people for your questions is super in, important for this element of virtual bonding. One way how to do this is in our online tours. Uh, on our website or on Twitch, you can follow the tours and ask questions while our experts guide you through the festival or through a specific part of the festival. With the general festival tour, you get an introduction about what tools we use, how you use them, and how you can get access to them easily. Another um, more intimate way how to connect on the festival is also our format, the Cyber Ambassador Groups. We uh, organize different chat channels on Discord. Discord is a, a chat app like many others are out there at the moment. It allows you to have theme-specific channels where you can meet people with the same interests. Uh, so we at Cyber, we offer different chat groups with topics like festival bodies. In this group, you meet the same group of people over and over again throughout the festival. It's like this moment, you know, when you meet someone at the, I don't know, coffee bar, and then you have a little small talk, you see each other later at the conference, you wave at each other and like smiling, and then you meet at the party in the evening again, and you finally have the chance to really talk. You find out that you like the same artworks, that the coffee really tastes bad, and actually that you also have some friends in common. So these moments, how do we recreate these moments in the virtual space? The ambassador group is our trial to do that at Cyber. So come by there and check out our festival bodies group or wine tasting group and get connected throughout the festival. To frame these conversation platforms, we also started with a code of conduct. It's super important to us to think and be aware what online communication means. And that 
it's based on mutual respect on cyber platforms. So you have to go through these code of conduct items and accept them before you are able to in interact on different social channels that we offer. We are very, very much looking forward to see you online at this year's Cyber Festival. Stop by and drop a question if you have any. Bye. A week later, I actually wanted to know how this was going in practice, since this is such a huge part of cyber and a huge feat to pull off in times of social distancing. How is the virtual bonding turning out? I wanted to just catch up with you because I, you're actually the only person in the podcast that I'm doing a kind of time lapse or time lapse, maybe not the right word, but like a, a, re, a look back because I really think and believe that your part, and I think cyber believes this too, the whole festival knows the value of the ambassadors and like the communities around the festival. But for me, it's such an important um, part of the festival that I'm just like, I really think it was nice, was 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 ideal for me to have this. Okay, what were your intentions? What did we try to do? And how is it in the midst of this? How is it actually going? How did you find it so far? I think it was um, really interesting to dive into this so deeply like now also like the, the cool thing about my position also is I'm not a curator in sense of like I'm coordinating projects inviting artists I'm more mm. like um, looking into the program and trying to build stories and tell the stories around them and, and build the bridges between the different program points mm. that I find like already like a, an interesting perspective that Eva brought me in as a uh, a different role here than a traditional curator, yeah. uh, more storyteller in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that is really neat to see like how these stories unfold now uh, mm -hmm. with the festival, how this like plays together and one nurtures the other. Um, uh, I'm a hundred percent, the things that we learned already in these first, first three days are incredible. Mm. There is like so much potential. We are just at the at the very, very beginning here, I think. Right. And that was the exciting part about the first weekend of the festival to see like, whoa, we opened so many doors here. There's so much potential and we are really literally just at the beginning. We can start with the ambassador tours, maybe first. Um, um, we could see, I would say, to be completely honest, that it's a new tool, a new idea that we try to implement here. And the tricky thing is, uh, it was easy to explain to those who knew Discord already. Right. They had already this basic understanding what it means to use Discord, uh, where it comes from. That's a gamer tool. It's for chatting and being fun and, and mostly sharing fun gifts mm -hmm. in our in <laughs> our context, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool that people who knew the tool already were just like, whoa, nice that you chose this one. Uh, you could see that they wanted to see like how we used it, um, how we tried to also bring in a bot as a communicator, a digital communicator, but also highlight the fact that we always have people at the end of every channel. So there is no channel that's only a bot. Like mm -hmm. we, we say at Saibi, our little bot for the announcement channel is a bot. Uh, it's 
it's exactly that's what it is. Um, but every every other interaction uh, and every person who is tagged with cyber, it's an actual person behind it. So this is already like the huge difference that we have here. Um, and the people, as I said, who use this code already, they find it super interesting to also dive into these different channels and look for conversations there. Uh, it's different to introduce it to new people. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the thing. So also I think uh, we as a team also had the chance to explore the tool mm -hmm. uh, as a communication tool um, and also try out what works well for us and what doesn't. And for new people, uh, it's uh, more tricky to introduce it. Uh, that's definitely something that we learned already after the first, the first weekend, I would say. And... Uh, there, we just need to, I think there we definitely need to, to to think it through and also then talk to people after the festival to evaluate mm -hmm. how can we introduce it so it's not that overwhelming because it was also a little bit our purpose at the beginning to, to use these different channels and offer platforms for, for discussion and discourse. Um, and for some, it was just like fun, overwhelming. And for others, it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get out of here. I have yeah. no idea how to follow. Yeah. And that's fine, right? Like no one needs to use all the tools that we offer. When we think about Discord, totally cool, works for some, doesn't work for others. Um, us as festival organizers can then think about, okay, how do we want to use it further? Mm -hmm. So for now, it's a totally cool trial. And that's the, the beautiful thing with the, with the amazing team that we also have and the, the amazing brains behind the Discord idea uh, I mean that you have to accept the code of conduct with giving a purple heart. It's just like so nice. And yeah. I never did this before. Like yeah. to see that chat options open because I like something on a with a with a heart. Like this is a new way of interaction yeah. also. Yeah. That opened up for me in a yeah. different way. And we can, when we come to the tour, the tour is definitely um uh a trial to to break down the different um, concepts that media arts is opening up here. There are partly like uh, very complex ideas of very contemporary art and very media-based art. So you, the more you know about the, the bubble that the artwork is in, the, the more pleasure you can get from it. Um, so the, the, the plan with the tour was to really, through storytelling, to really build um, uh, narratives that make it fun and more easy to access in that sense. Uh, and uh, I try to just introduce the, the festival in general and then use or uh, introduce uh, just like four or five artworks as an example for so many more that people should be able to explore themselves afterwards. So, um, getting the first tools to then feel comfortable to explore further. Mm. People from Hamburg give me advice how to really use the tool because I still didn't understand. And like, that is just fascinating. And that I randomly run into a friend and be on a one hour phone call, who, although I haven't met him in like three years. Mm. I think we have to collect these little stories, these little heart events that we had, that we, the memories that we collected throughout the festival and think about how can we, build a ground to to give them the space to make them more to make them more yeah. make them more yeah it's really nice to think of them as 
memories and not feedback. You know, they're just moments that you want to recreate or build upon. And that's actually a really, really nice way to think about this and what you're doing. And while we speak a lot of conduct online and the responsibility that comes with creating and existing in virtual space, we also talked about an important topic which is addressed at Cyber. That is cyber trolling and hate speech on the internet. Someone who knows a lot about this topic is Vice Austria's chief reporter, Alexandra Stanich. Here's Alex talking about it exclusively for cyberspace. So here's the thing. The virtual space feels like I mean, depending on who you are or what your political values are, the Wild West sometimes. I will try not to repeat the really bad messages one might come across, but this is a warning that a lot of sexualized insults, death threats are part of the reality of people who speak up both offline and online. But, but there is a silver lining. There is a possibility to take over the online space in a way that actually has a lot of potential to, uh, to break these patterns we were born and socialized in. But right now, parts of this online space feel like a mirror to our society, so there is some work to do. It's really sad to me to see that shitstorms hit often the people who fight injustice, people who educate on intersectional feminism, people who educate people how to be anti-racist or people who support refugees, especially marginalized people, BPOC, the queer community, uh, are confronted by threats and pretty bad attacks. And it's not only messages and tweets I'm talking about. Their employers can also get mails demanding to fire these people who are often in vulnerable positions anyway. They, they find death threats like letters in their mailbox. I myself, I've been in situations um, where online violence flooded my um, analog life. Once a man in Berlin uh, recognized me in a random bar because some far-right YouTuber shared a TV uh, discussion I was part of. Strangers DM'd me that they know me, or that I should hang myself. And it doesn't have to be an offline incident like the one in Berlin. Crossing a line online is so, so easy. Some old Austrian guy from, I don't know, Upper Austria uh, wrote me on Facebook that I am a worthless parasite and that I don't deserve to live in Austria. My parents immigrated from former Yugoslavia to Austria in the 70s. So comments like this, they imply, I don't belong to Austria. Therefore, I don't have a right to talk about Austrian politics. This is pretty messed up given the fact that I don't plan to leave Austria anytime soon. Um, these, shitstorm, these shitstorms, they affect people a lot. And very often, many people are dealing with this online violence to an extent you probably wouldn't even imagine. A lot of journalists and activists talk about the mental effects that thousands of DMs, mails, tweets, calls can cause. And um, there are different ways to deal with this. And I want to concretely offer some of those uh, strategies to address digital violence. I think the most important thing is and I have to make this perfectly clear, 
Don't deal with this alone. If one of your tweets goes viral and you end up having hundreds of trolls sliding into your DMs, talk to your friends or your chosen family. And if you don't have a safe space in the online space, start to create one. Like pick accounts that inspire you, that empower you, that um, make you feel more confident about yourself. And it is important to mention that often, but not only, people who are in public are affected by hate speech. Kids and teenagers are often victims of cyber violence as well, from spreading gossip to blackmailing, to sharing private information or photos, especially young women are often a victim of sexual assault. Uh, there's a study published in 2018 by Ring, uh, which is an initiative to support victims of crime and violence. And this study shows that one third of the interviewed women in Austria have experienced online violence. So document virtual abuse as much as you can, or even better ask your friends or work colleagues, because you shouldn't read all of these messages. It can, yeah, it can get pretty dark and some anonymous YouTuber, YouTube user is not really worth your piece. Block and report haters and trolls, period. Honestly, in an ideal world, therapy would be accessible to anyone. If you can afford it, you should consider to talk to a professional should you suffer as a result of digital violence. There are also several institutions to support victims of hate speech online. In Austria, there is Zara. They support you also with legal advice should you need it. For me, and I think for many others, Humor is also a great uh, coping mechanism. Making memes helps as much as commenting the nonsense people leave in your DMs. If you happen to witness someone being attacked by trolls, the easiest way to support them is to show solidarity, either publicly or with private messages. If you're close to the person affected uh, by this cyber violence, you can offer phone calls or you can go through the messages and see if you can screenshot the, screenshot the ones that are maybe legally chargeable, you know. And also ask other friends, other friends to support the person with kindness and maybe even with financial support for professional support. I know, I really do know, it probably sounds like the most obvious advice, but uh, the truth is the pandemic is happening and we are all kind of off. And this is can just be considered as a reminder that people actually need support in the virtual world because it can affect you AFK. And by the way, AFK means um, away from keyboard. And it is an alternative to IRL, which means in real life. By now, we know that the internet is very much real, don't we? So <laughs> it does make sense to have a better um, solution than in real life. So AFK works, I guess. Um, but yeah, online violence affects you in ways many people are really not aware. Going through a shitstorm, you end up thinking, wow, oh my God, is this person next to me? Is this guy next to me um, in the subway? the guy Thomas123 on Twitter who threatened me with sexual assault. It is very frustrating to see how many things went wrong 
during an Austrian hate speech case that was, at least for me, very obvious. I will try to summarize. So in May 2018, the Green politician Sigrid Maurer received two obscene Facebook messages by an account of a bear, a beer craft owner, sorry, not bear, but beer. <laughs> Maurer called the identity of the owner of this bar out on social media. Then the owner of the beer store sued her for defamation. So in the first round of the process, Mara was actually convicted. So she raised an objection. objection. What happens next is a, is a huge solidarity act, also called the Flower Rain, and a donation initiative to support, support uh, Mara financially. To make this long story short, the beer bar owner stopped pressing charges this year. And this case, this Mara case, is a really important milestone, not only because this case was the reason for a whole discussion about digital violence in Austria, it also showed that even with a lot of obstacles, there can be some justice. Not always, but it can happen. Um, so, as I said before, the online space is full of possibilities to connect and deconstruct the pattern we have been socialized in. We can free ourselves from the binary system we live in. We can create communities and include the ones who are left out by the majority AFK. But in order to do so, we also have to take over the online world. Like, it's not a lawless place where abusive users can spit out their hate without any consequence. I think the code of conduct is a very progressive approach to very real problems we have to face online. To be honest, I wish some institutions or media houses would take this code as some sort of an inspiration because right now the online space doesn't always feel like a safe space to all. But with rules like this, it almost feels like a, mani a manifesto. So. I hope many people will manifest these words. Um, I also appreciate the fact that you have to agree with the code of conduct, but I think the code of conduct is pretty present and just basically no way to get around. So this is very good and it's not in any small letters. I like the um, uh, type of the writing also. And especially... I would like to highlight the idea of uh, the introduction and the pronouns because I for myself learned only recently why it is, for example, very important that I as a cis woman put my pronouns in my Instagram bio. So it's very refreshing and inclusive to see this and to see that Saiva is actually thinking about something like that in their code of conduct, you know. And reading the code, I did catch myself thinking if the team is having any sort of awareness workshops, I don't know, for example, anti-racist workshops, or in what way can a festival like Cyber make sure that they, their employees are um, sensibilized um, or how can Saiva make sure that the people who get reports about some, I don't know, potential or possible misbehavior, um, how can Saiva make sure that these people are um, 
um, sensibilized enough, and I'm sure they are. So I'm kind of curious if they if there were any workshops or if there are some happening for the next year, for example. Um, I think it is very, very good and important to read that the festival has very strong opinions and that there is absolutely no space or room for any sort of online violence. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty positive the outcome of the festival will be great. And the code of conduct is for sure a step in the right direction. So I actually really appreciate that. And I wish um, it's going to be an inspiration for many others to also step into this uh, direction. To be clear, if anyone experiences any breach of our code of conduct and or basic human decency, they have to get in touch with Janine at soundframe.at, J-A-N-I-N-E at soundframe.at. Janine is an integral part of Cyber, and here's why. Usually when you organize an event, you can get a feeling of the crowd and react immediately when something just doesn't feel right. Cyber is a fully virtual festival which means no walls and no entry doors. So how do you make sure that everyone is feeling safe? When it comes to virtual rooms, even though you are not there physically, it can be quite strange to have someone stand very closely to your own avatar or even follow you around. Especially in virtual reality, it can be quite scary and there have been studies that show that these situations are also a reason why women are more apprehensive about using VR. So that's why the question of safety is a topic that has been on our minds since the very beginning. Cyber trolling, discrimination and hate speech are real problems that we wanted to be prepared for and tackle upfront. That's why we talk to institutions like SARA and HateAid and are cooperating with Awareness Wien, which is a collective doing awareness work at events. One of the most important things we have implemented was our code of conduct, which states our house rules. When entering the festival, you have to accept these rules that are meant to raise awareness for these topics and ensure a positive way of communication. We also have the most wonderful awareness team who will be here to make sure everyone's okay and support you if anything unpleasant should come up. Of course, it's important to find the right balance, but what does that even mean? What is the actual definition of freedom of speech and where does censorship start? There has been a lot of discussion lately surrounding that topic, especially with social media starting to ban politicians from their platforms and initiatives for safe spaces being accused of disrupting freedom of speech. We wanted to dive deeper into these issues and invited Asma Ayat from Black Voices Volksbegan, Willi Heider from Awareness Wien, Sophie Rendel from Frauendemina, and Nicolas Tickers from Verein Neustadt to be part of our panel discussion that's called Meinungsfreiheit versus Zensur, when trolls glauben, in meinem Wohnzimmer machen zu können, was sie wollen, which will be happening on the 24th of February as part of the Cyber Festival. Thank you, Janine. 
Let's end on a positive online experience with Between Surviving. This is a workshop taking place on the 26th of February. It's facilitated by two incredible healers and community workers, Melissa Hawkins and Tanya Moyo. They describe their workshop as a safe and inclusive digital container designed to consciously engage healing as an act of radical resistance. As facilitators, they unpack the ideology of self-care in the digital age and promote practices that not only connect us to community, but also allow us to map out the available systems of care and mutual support. If you're lucky, there might still be spots available to sign up for the workshop. I'll leave you with this audio teaser of affirmations from the workshop recorded by Melissa and Tanya, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Hi there. It's nice to see you. Hello, and welcome into this safe and liberated immersive space designed for virtual bonding. As we come together while we are apart, we wanted to create an ode to radical collective care in the form of an affirmation because we acknowledge the importance of caring for ourselves and for each other in the midst of this chronically stress-inducing pandemic and mostly as we experience collective trauma at a scale we're not even able to fathom without falling into despair powerlessness desperation or even disassociation so we want to ask you What are you building somatic care culture with? What happens when we can't live interdependently all the time? What happens when we are isolated from community, from care, labor? What happens when too many of us are too tired to care for each other? When caring feels like a burden? when our bodies break what if our ebbs and flows never really match what does it really mean to care for each other and what does that look like while we're surviving who can we really depend on we really believe that for body liberation we need body conscious affirmations to keep us going and developing cultures of resistance that not only strengthen our bonds but allow us to reduce harm and develop healing as a way to enter into love I filed to unpack the ways in which white body supremacy has stopped me from loving my body I release myself from the shame of expressing 
my emotions. I reclaim my body as a site of liberation. I trust my body to show me what I need to observe more closely. I allow myself to receive care without guilt. I release my contract with racial and gender capitalism that forces me into an endless pursuit of productivity. I allow myself to be vulnerable and I trust in my capacity to care for myself. I allow myself to release the emotional buildup of trauma in my body. I open up myself to creating systems of collective and mutual care in order to also support and be supported by others. I deserve to be supported. I honor my boundaries by asserting my limits. I deserve to be cared for. I deserve to be cared for. I deserve to be listened to. And I deserve to be listened to. I am safe in my body, and my body feels like home. I embrace rest and relaxation as an act of self-preservation. I will survive as I have survived before. I will survive as I have survived before. If our most basic instinct is to survive, when we love ourselves more than the fear of death, we ultimately breed a deeper desire to be within our bodies and to create a loving environment within that can ripple through us. When we love our bodies, we then Take the time to develop self-awareness. We notice the rage. We notice the silence. We notice the pain, the tension, the lack of sensation, the numbness. In those moments, healing feels dangerous. It feels triggering. But it's in those moments where we are the most in tune with ourselves. Caring for ourselves then becomes a way to operate within the larger tapestry of communal living. Because we realize that caring for ourselves is interrupting violence against ourselves. When we care for ourselves deeply, authentically, 
while honestly connecting to our most primal needs. And finally then we can operate as a bearing vessel of the universe's care for us. So, so we, we can, can be at service, service to our communities, communities as large, so we can resist better, better more strategically, and longer. longer.